tuning in to the Revival Tabernacle Podcast. Wherever you may be listening from, we hope that this message encourages you in the unwavering, unconditional love of Jesus Christ. Join us as we reach sinners, raise believers, and release leaders. Please enjoy the message from the RT Pulpit. First Corinthians chapter 13, First Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. If you have it, indicate by saying amen. If you don't, it'll be up on the screen. It says, if I speak in tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and I and can fathom all the mysteries and all the knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to the hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. I want to talk this morning about building better relationships. Look at somebody and say, I want to build. Uh, all right. It's not 8 o'clock in the morning. It's, it's almost 11. Come on, look at, look at somebody and say, I'm, I want to build better relationships. Come on, look at somebody else. Look at somebody else. Make a commitment. Have some accountability. And tell them, I want to build better relationships. That's what we're going to talk about this morning, building better relationships. Father, we thank you for giving us the strength and the desire to build better relationships, not only with you, God, but with one another, as you deem relationships with each other very important in our Christian walk. Bless us. Bless our time together. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. You may be seated in God's house. Thank you so very much. Thank you so very much. Uh, so good to have Zach back. He's back. He's home from college. He's 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 home from college, and he's got a lot more hair than he had before he left. But we're so good to see, so good to see Zach home for the holidays. And I'm sure over the next couple of weeks we'll have some of our other college students returning home uh, for their mid for their winter break for their holiday break. Amen. Today um, we're continuing on week two in this important series. Uh, entitled Not Home Alone. It's our holidays at Revival, and um, I just feel like the Lord just wanted us to really, uh, you know, dig in to really uh, understanding how important He values and how important relationships with one another are, especially during this time. You know, there, we, there, there are just so many things that are going on, so many things that are happening, but it's important for us to know that relationships are important to God. And so we have to do a good job in valuing one another. Last week, we started the series talking about the one another's and how God is calling us to love one another. And I felt like we, we touched a little bit on, on 1 Corinthians chapter 13 last week, and, and I felt the Lord wanted, wanted us to kind of dig a little bit deeper into that. And so we're going to talk about that today, 
How many know that God created us for relationships? I, I said God created us for relationships. When he created Adam, he placed him in the Garden of Eden, which was a perfect paradise. He had everything. However, while he was right there in the midst of the garden, right there in the midst of paradise, right there in the midst of perfection, listen to me good, look at what God says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. You'll see it on the screen. Just want to really extract the B part. And the Lord God said, watch this, it is not good that man should be alone. It is not good to mention people. God created us for relationships. And, and because God created us for relationships, I think that we have to take a closer look at to how to have more effective, better relationships. And right here in the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it is the greatest passage ever written about relationships. The greatest passage in the Bible, in my opinion, ever written about relationships, is found right here in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Because the believers in the church of Corinth were having all kind of relationship problems. How many people know a little bit something about relationship problems? You don't have to be bashful because you're not in here by yourself. Listen, we all have had at one time or another relationship problems. Somebody say relationship problems. I mean, there were divisions, there was confusion, there was contention happening in the church of Corinth about which gift was the greatest or which gift was the most important. And so after discussing spiritual gifts in the previous chapter, chapter 12, let's look at what that very last phrase, that very last verse in the previous chapter, go back up to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31. Look at what it says. Paul writes the last phrase in chapter 12 in verse 31. He says, but covet earnestly the best gifts or the greater gift, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. As we know, we have the divisions of chapters uh, for our benefit, but really as these letters were written, they were one big long letter. So you really can kind of flow from verse 31 of chapter 12 right into verse, verse, verse 1 of chapter 13. Let's look at how that actually flows so that you can really kind of see the concept of what it is that we're trying to express here. Look at verse chapter, chapter 12, verse 31. But earnestly desire the best gift, and yet I show you a more excellent way. Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or clanging cymbals. Do you all catch that? He's, he's telling them, I want you to desire, and I want you to earnestly desire the best gift, but I'm going to show you a more excellent way. And then he goes into talking about what that more excellent way is, which is about love. About relationships, one with another. Paul begins declaring, some translation calls it charity, but we know that it's love, is the most important thing in the Christian life. It's the foundation of all great relationships. And so laying the foundation 
to, uh, of love really has two requirements. And this is what we're going to really kind of build upon and deal with today. Are you with me? Say amen. The two areas that we're going to deal with today is, first of all, you have to analyze the kinds of love. That's the very first thing. And then secondly, you have to realize the consequences of not loving. So that's, that's the flight plan for today. We're going to analyze the kinds of love, and then we're going to realize the consequences of not loving. So we're going to dive right into it. We're going to analyze the kinds of love. As we talk about love, one problem that we encounter in the English language is that um, in the English language, it only has one word for the word love. For example, if I say, um, I love chicken wings, and y'all know I love some good chicken wings, and, I, and, 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 and in, the, in that next breath I say, I love Courtney, my wife. Does the word love have the same meaning in each of those statements? No, they absolutely don't. I love chicken wings way more. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just, I'm just joking. <laughs> I love my wife. So much more than chicken wings. And I think one of the reasons why God inspired the writers in the New Testament to write in Greek is that there are four words for love in that language. Four words for love. There may be more, but from what I could see, there were four words for love in the Greek language. And so let's break them down and examine them a little bit today. Amen. First is the word eros or eros, from which we get our word erotic. It means sexual love. Eros refers to a relationship based on physical attraction and sex. Yes, I said it, sex. Making sure y'all still awake out there. You're just like, well, my kids in here, they ain't heard about it. Y'all are going to look at me real funny and they're like, mm, I ain't come back next week. Watch this. This is a love that uses people until it gets all it wants from them sexually and then it moves on. Is this thing on? I don't, I don't know if this thing is on this morning. Let me, let me just minister a little bit to to folks that are seeking for relationships, be careful about people who are always talking about this type of love. Because once they get that type of love, then all of their want and interest in you are null and void. It's interesting to note that when you begin doing the word study, that this word, eros, is not mentioned in the New Testament. Paul is showing us that there's a more excellent word. Second is the word phileo. Somebody say phileo. Not phileo fish. Phileo. This describes the love between brothers and sisters. This is where we get our English word Philadelphia which is, as you all know, the city of what? Brotherly love. The third Greek word for love is storge. 
which denotes love for family. It usually refers to this love between parents and children. Family love. But none of these three words for love is used in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. <laughs> the word that is used in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, my brothers and sisters, is the word agape. Somebody say agape. Which is, watch this, an enduring sacrificial love that will do anything for the one loved. Let me say that again. Agape is an enduring, sacrificial love that will do anything for the one loved. This is the same word that Jesus used in the book of John, chapter 15, verse 12, when he says, my commandment is this. Are you listening to me? Good. Love each other as I have loved you. In other words, Endure and sacrifice for each other as I have endured and sacrificed for you. That's what Jesus is commanding us to do. And y'all real quiet, but I ain't scared. God is calling for us to endure and sacrifice for one another. Why? Because you are in this world all by yourself. And no matter how wonderful you are, boo-boo, it ain't always about you. Now, let me ask a question. Which kind of those loves are, are needed to have and, and, and maintain and even sustain a great marriage? Bingo! All of them, all four, yes, all four are needed to sustain a great marriage. I told you, we believe in marriages around here at Revival Tabernacle. And we want marriages to work, we want marriages to thrive, we want marriages to survive. So excited just about what God is doing, how God is, 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 is working in our marriages in this church. And yes, you need all four. Yes, in a marriage relationship, listen to me good, you must have eros. Boy, I tell you the truth. I thank you. Hey, amen, Walls. You must have it because one of the basic needs of a man is sexual fulfillment. And while the word eros is not found in the Bible, sexual, sensual love and physical attraction, my brothers and sisters, is, a, 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 listen, as God intended for it between a husband and a wife, are described in detail in the Song of Solomon. <laughs> the Bible teaches physical appearance is important to men. Therefore, Solomon writes, about his bride, uh, Song of Solomon, chapter 7, verse 1, he, say, he talks about, he says, how beautiful are the shoes, or I'm sorry, how beautiful are the feet with shoes that his wife wears. Look at that in, 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 in chapter 1, in chapter 7, verse 1, how beautiful are your sandaled feet, O prince's daughter. Your graceful legs are like jewels, the work of an artist's hand. Boy, you know, you know, you ain't got no game like he got game. Your legs are like jewels. 
painted by an artist's hand. <laughs> Physical appearance is important. Men like for their wives to look the best that they can. And y'all can be quiet if y'all want to, but I know I'm telling the truth. <laughs> and every wife should strive and try to look something like the woman their husband married because that's the woman that he fell in love with. Now, wives also like their husbands to look good. Say amen, wives. <laughs> they do. Bible teaches appearance is important to women as well. Song of Solomon, chapter 15, verse 14 to 15. Listen to what it says. It says, his arms are like rods of gold set with topaz. His body is like polished ivory decorated with um, lapis and luzzle. His legs are pillars of marble set on a base of pure gold. His appearance is like Lebanon, choice as its cedars. I mean, think about this man that, I mean, that, that, that this woman is describing. I mean, she wants her man to look good. I know my woman wants me to look good. That's why I'm in the gym two or three times a week. Or two times a week. I'm working on that third day. Let me just be honest in the house of the Lord. <laughs> Trying to watch what I eat. Why? Because I, because I want the love and the passion and the fire and the desire to be just as strong as it was when she saw me in the eighth grade or the seventh grade walking the streets or the hallways of middle school. Making sure that I'm keeping this temple that she sees every day in a better shape and fit. I remember listening to a preacher, and this is what really convicted me and really started me in really taking my, my health a lot more serious. Listening to this preacher, and he says he was overweight, and he said, you know, heard the voice of the Lord say to him, you know, would you die for your wife? Would you die for your children? He's like, yeah, I'll die for my wife. Die for my children. I'll I, I, I die for her. He said, that's good. He says, but why won't you live for them? And he knew then that was a, he was being convicted based on the fact that he was morbidly obese or extreme obese and eating all that he wanted to eat. When we say we love someone, love moves you to change. As painful as it may be. My, my grandfather would always say, change will never happen until the pain to change becomes greater than the pain to remain the same. Yeah, it may hurt you, but it's got to hurt you worse to make you want to change, to do better. And I believe God wants us all to come up and do better and be better. And let me tell you something. No matter how difficult it is, you can do it. Let me say, come here. 
you can do it. Listen, I, I've struggled with my weight all my life. And it's tough, because I love to eat a lot, all the time. I could have just eaten breakfast, and someone says, hey, you want to go out for breakfast? I say, yes, let's go. And so I started out working out just so that I could eat. <laughs> yes, I, work, I was working out to eat. Isn't that a, isn't that a weird combination? That, that, that's, that's oxymoronic even at some time. But now I understand there's a greater desire, there's a greater need. I got a beautiful wife, I got beautiful kids, I want to be here for the long term for them. I have a beautiful church, I want to be here for the long term. Whether y'all want me or not, I want to be here for the long term. Are you hearing me today? Now, y'all need to read the Song of Solomon, the rest of it on your own. <laughs> Because not only do you need eros love in your marriage, but you also need phileo, brotherly love. This is because husbands and wives should be best friends. I love the relationship that is constantly growing between me and my wife. She has become more and more my best friend. I, I mean, we share so much, everything. And she's made my life richer because I have entrusted her with my life. There must also be storge, family love, because the family must take precedence over everything except God. But agape is also essential even in marriage because husbands and wives must be willing to make any sacrifice for the benefit of each other. And if you're not married, if you have children, you must be willing to make that sacrifice for your children, for your family, for those that are near and dear to you, for your spiritual family, your church family. Look at what it says here in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. There must be that mutual love and respect even in the confines of marriage. So as we lay the foundation for great relationships, we must first analyze the kinds of love. But this is the one I want to spend a little bit of time on, and then I'm done. After that, we must realize the consequences of not loving. You have to understand there are consequences for not loving one another. And I believe we see even here in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul lists four consequences for not having agape love. Let's, let's dive into them. The first one is, all I say is just noise. All I say is just noise. Nate, can you bring that, that, that over here to me? Or just set it up right here. Listen to what it says in chapter 13, verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. The word tongue is a Greek word, glossa, which means languages. <laughs> it means languages. 
And the phrase tongues of men and of angels refers to the greatest possible eloquence of speech and oratory in both earth and in heaven. Sounding brass, my brothers and sisters, refers to a loud noise that is created by striking a large metal or metallic disc, just like we have here from our drum set. The tinkling cymbal refers to the circular, slightly concave, like you see here. Brass plate used as a percussion instrument that is struck with the drumstick. Cymbals are also used, and you all see them in marching bands when they begin to play. They clash them together. Boom! Boom! It's the repeated clashing of brass or a cymbal, watch this, that produces meaningless sound that is very irritating. Maybe you need an example. What if every time someone was talking to you, it was like this? Every time I say a word, it begins to sound just like this, and all I keep hearing is all, and all you keep hearing is all this noise and loud clanging. After a while, you want me to shut up. After a while, you want me to be quiet. Why? Because you're talking, but I'm irritated. Because everything you're saying, it don't line up. Because, in other words, what he's saying is this. Though I can speak eloquent words, I mean, in earth and in heaven, but if, if I don't have love when I'm talking to you, you irritated with me. <laughs> Come on, let's be real today. Anybody ever been irritated at somebody? Oh, they were saying all the right things, but it just got up under your skin. Why? Because they didn't have love. And this is what Paul is saying. When you don't have love, doesn't matter how good you speak, doesn't matter how eloquent you may sound with your word, doesn't matter if you know all the languages on the, in, in the earth and in heaven. I don't care how good you can speak in tongues. You can shana and rubo koshiande. If you don't have love, let me tell you something, it's going to irritate people. Y'all ain't saying nothing in this place, but let me go, I'm going to preach it anyway. If you don't have love and you can do all those wonderful things and say all those wonderful things, but if you don't have love in your heart to your brother or your sister, guess what? It's like noise. And you can't wait for somebody to just... in our relationships with one another. As we speak, or when we speak without love, our words are meaningless and even irritating. 
the most important ingredient in any relationship is communication. The number one complaint in marriage is we can't seem to communicate. And the basic reason people cannot communicate is failing to obey what the Apostle Paul commands in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14. Look at what Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 says. Instead, instead, watch this, we speak the truth in love. He says, we will speak the truth in love. Without obeying that command, let me tell you something, all that you're saying is just noise. Next point, not only is all that, you, all that I say is noise, but guess what? All that I know is negated. All that I know is negated. Look at what Paul writes in the second chapter, in the second verse of chapter 13. If you're with me, say amen. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and have not charity, I am nothing. I hear many parents say all the time, it says, my kids won't listen to me. I wonder why. Somebody said, nobody cares how much you know until they first know how much you care. When you see the scripture, the Apostle Paul even talks about something like this. He expresses that, that truth in this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. It says, now about food sacrifice idols, we know that we all possess this knowledge. But watch this. But knowledge puffs up while love does what? Builds up. Can I tell you something? If we don't love our knowledge causes us to be puffed up. And we're puffed up with pride. We're puffed up with arrogance. And it's doing nothing but hurting our relationship rather than helping them. Are you hearing me this morning? If you want your kids, parents, or if you want your spouse, or if you want anyone else to listen to what you know, don't talk down to them. Talk to them in love. Talk to them in love. Not only is all I say just noise, not only is all I know negated, let me tell you something else, and this may hit hard and it may cut deep, but all my faith means nothing. I didn't say it. Look what the Bible says. And though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. If we do not love, our faith means nothing to God or anyone else. Being a Christian, being a follower of Jesus, 
listen to me real good, is much more than what we believe. It's also how we behave. Just sit right there. I'm going to come down your row, and if I step on your feet, just say, ouch, and I'll keep moving. It's not just about what you believe, my brothers and sisters. But how are you treating one another? How, how are you behaving? How are you living your life? The real issue is not only what we believe about Jesus, but it's also what difference he has made in our lives and in our relationships. Your relationship with Jesus should, should impact and affect every other relationship that you have. Because it should cause you to want to deal with them how Jesus has dealt with you. Look at the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verse 6. Look at how this biblical truth is expressed. It says, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. Watch this. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself. Watch this. Through love. So don't get mad at me if I say, if you don't have love, your faith don't mean nothing. That's what the Bible says. Take it up with Jesus. Take it up with God. This is his word. He breathed it. We must have love for one another. Not only is all I say just noise, not only is all I know negated, not only is all my faith meaningless, but let me give you this last point. All my sacrifices are nullified. All my sacrifices are nullified. Look at what he says in verse 3, chapter 13. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned in the flames, no, he didn't say that. <laughs> and have not charity or have not love, it profiteth me nothing. You don't know how many times I've, I've sat down with couples that were going through marital distress. And I've literally heard the husband utter these words. Man, I've worked all these years hard all my life, giving my wife this new house, new car, nice clothes, and now she wants to divorce me. And I don't understand why. Because without love, all of that is nullified. Oh, y'all hear what I'm saying? Oh. Why do kids whose parents Buy them everything. 
I mean, they have the latest smartphones, they have laptops, they have tablets, they, when they turn of age, they have a brand new car, designer clothes, often resenting their parents and often breaking their parents' hearts. You know why? Because without love, it's all nullified. I can tell you, well, let me show you this. We talked about this last week, Col Col Colossians chapter 3, verse 21. Fathers, do not aggravate your children, or they will become discouraged. Another translation says, do not provoke your children unto wrath, lest they become discouraged. Now, understand this, and, and, and I touched on this last week. The word father is pater, can also be translated as parents, as it is in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23. So it's not just talking about dads to the children. It's parents, period. Don't aggravate your children. Don't provoke them or they will become discouraged. Why do so many children grow up bitter or angry with their parents? You know why? Because sometimes as parents, we forget that children spell love T-I-M-E. I know. You spell it, I, I put the clothes on your back, and I threw over your head. <laughs> you got food on the table. I mean, how many people ever, ever heard that? You know, yeah. <laughs> and all they want, all your little girl wants is for you to play Barbie. Do y'all know, and I'm not, I'm not unique in this, but I'm just going to speak from my own experience because that's all I really know. Y'all know how hard it is for me to write a sermon at home? <laughs> this is what happened while I'm writing this, and the Holy Spirit convicted me. I tell you, the Word becomes flesh. <laughs> I'm trying to pull it all together, make all these thoughts make sense. The girls bust into the office. Daddy, we want to show you a new dance that we just made up upstairs. And I'm trying to muster all of my energy because I'm, I'm at the tipping point. I'm like, girls, get out. <laughs> Can't you see daddy studying? Right there in that moment, Holy Spirit convicted me and says, and you trying to teach this? Come here, Kayleen. Come up, come here, Reagan. Well, what's the dance? Well, we need a song that you need to play on your computer or on your phone. What's the song? I think it was better when I'm dancing or something like that. This ain't no short song. <laughs> Play the song. And you could tell Kayleen had really thought about the routine and had moved. Reagan's just freestyling, making up stuff as she goes along. Just, just going. And Holy Spirit said to me, and you sit there and you watch it and you celebrate them 
when it's over. And I sat there, I watched it, and I celebrated them when it was over. And then the Holy Spirit said, now ask them if they want to do another one. I said, devil? <laughs> and I knew it wasn't Satan. And I said, do y'all have another one? We're going to go upstairs and practice it. Okay, when y'all get it together, come on back down. Because even I have to remind myself and teach myself what it is that I know and model for myself, model in my household what it is that I know God wants to happen in your house. Maybe for you it's not a nine-year-old and a four-year-old. Maybe it's when your mom calls or your dad or your sibling or your wife or your kid that's away at college or your teenager or another loved one. And you're into your thing. You're doing your thing. And you're trying to make your thing great. And you just, ah, they just don't want me to be great. No, it's not that. It's that your greatness resides in how you love one another. Because let me just tell you, there are consequences for not loving. You want to go to them and say something to them? All that you say is just noise. All that you know is nullified. All these things that are there. Let me tell you something. Let me show you one last scripture, and then I'm done. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16. Ephesians 5, 16. Let's put it up on the screen. This is what gets me. It says, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. In no other area is this more important than in our relationships. We got to make the most of every opportunity. Consequences of not loving, all that you say is just noise. Consequences of not loving, all I know is negated. Consequence of not loving, my faith means nothing to God or anyone else. Consequences of not loving, all my sacrifices are nulled. Null and void, nullified. I believe that God wants us to lay foundations for having great, healthy relationships. And for some of us in this room, it starts with our family. You got to analyze the kinds of love, and then you got to realize that there are consequences 
for not loving. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, I know. I know that this word pierces, it agitates us. Look up at me real quick. Y'all remember, and they got new school washing machines now, but old school washing machines had this, you know, stick in the middle, and it's called the agitator. And when you put clothes into the wash, and that agitator starts going, what is it doing? It's, it's beating up against all the material, all the clothes, all the things that are in there to get all of the dirt off of it. All the stains, all the dirt, it all kind of gets roughed up when it's in there with the agitator. So when it's done, you can pull out those clothes and the stains or the, the marks that were once there are no longer there. Why? Because the agitator did what it was supposed to do. I kind of feel like that's what the Word of God is. It's an agitator at times. It don't feel good. It roughs us up. But when you just stay in it, you don't realize that, man, it's working out. All those marks, all those stains, all those things that bring about the difference between our lives and the model that we're supposed to be living up to in this book right here. My brothers and sisters, I know it doesn't feel good, but you know what? We got to, at times, let the agitator of the Word of God clean us up. Get us to where we're supposed to be. Remove away those marks and those stains that are in our lives that we can't get out on our own. I know you may got the little pen. The little pen don't do the work that an agitator does, that the washing machine does. Allow the Holy Spirit to do the work. Allow the Word of God to do the work, the cleanup work in your life, in our lives. Because He wants us to have strong, powerful, fruitful relationships. How many people in this place want to have great relationships? Father, would you help us? Would you help us today? Help us, Lord. Help us when we, we don't, don't feel like being bothered, God. Help us. 
Help us remember that it's not about us, it's about you. And, and it's about what it is that you want to do in and through our lives. Holy Spirit, we need your help. Because we can't do this on our own. We need you. We need you. We need you. The greatest relationship that you could ever have is first and foremost a relationship with Jesus Christ. Where you really can't effectively love one another until you first realize how much you've been loved by him. Boy, he loves you. With an everlasting love, the word of God tells us, he loves us. And so today, if you're in this place and you say, Pastor Devin, I, I know I can't get right my relationships with other people because I don't, I don't fully understand how much God loves me. Let me just take a moment and just, and just explain it to you. He loves you so much that he sent his only son to come to this world and die for your sins. He paid a debt that you would never have been able to pay. His love is great. Blair was singing it to us this morning. I've never known a love like this. I've never known a love like this. It looks beyond all of my faults. It looks beyond all of your faults. And he sees what you need most. And there is nothing on earth or in hell that can stop him from getting to you what it is that you need because of his love for you. His love is great. Thanks for tuning in to the Revival Tabernacle Podcast. Wherever you may be listening from, we hope that this message encourages you in the unwavering, unconditional love of Jesus Christ. Join us as we reach sinners, raise believers, and release leaders.